Chapter Three, Part One of Rocks and Their Origins by Grenville A. J. Cole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Sandstones, Part One The Origin of Sands. The essential characteristic of sandstone is that it consists mainly of detrital grains of quartz or occasionally of grains of chalcedonic silica, flint. These are found to scratch the steel blade of a knife and are not affected by boiling in ordinary acids. The grains usually become cleaner in the boiling process, since the cement that has bound them together is liable to be destroyed. This cement may cause effervescence, being often formed of chemically deposited calcium carbonate. When we consider the distribution of quartz in nature, we look to igneous and metamorphic rocks for the origin of the grains in sandstone. Quartz is one of the commonest minerals, but in granite and quartz diorite it rarely forms more than half the bulk of the rock, feldspar and mica and hornblende being its associates. Veins of quartz, quartz rock, traverse many rocks, and become broken up into granular forms on weathering, but they are inconsiderable in comparison with the bulk of the slates or schists in which they lie. Mica schists contribute a good deal of quartz sand when they decay, but this is mixed with ferruginous clayey matter, and the soils produced are yellow loams. We are easily impressed, then, by the enormous amount of denudation that was requisite to produce our existing sandstones. Though nowadays sandstones can be built up by the decay of older rocks of the same kind, the quartz must have come originally from igneous or metamorphic sources. Even in the metamorphic rocks, a large part of the quartz is probably detrital. The microscopic characters of the quartz in sandstone commonly attest its origin. The minute liquid inclusions with moving bubbles that arise in the quartz of igneous and metamorphosed rocks are easily seen in sections of sandstone. In some quartzites, these inclusions run in continuous bands from grain to grain and have clearly arisen since the detritus was cemented. But in ordinary sandstones, the inclusions in one grain have no relation to those in its neighbors. The felspars, moreover, of igneous rocks are commonly found as rolled fragments in sandstone. Their grains are usually whiter and duller than those of quartz, and may easily be distinguished by the naked eye. Small gleaming plates of mica from the parent rock may accumulate with the quartz grains. The dark micas of decaying rocks, rich in iron and magnesium, together with mineral silicates of calcium, magnesium, and iron, such as the amphiboles and pyroxenes, form on hydration soft green chloride. This mineral, in films and easily deformed flakes, at times occurs as a sort of groundwork to the coarser grains in sandstone, and colors the rock a delicate gray-green. Fine-grained sandstones of this type are difficult to distinguish from altered greenstones, such as basaltic andesites. When the quartz grains, however, are large, as in the grits quaintly styled in the old days grey-whack, they form a ready clue to the origin of the rock. Nature sifts the products of decay so thoroughly, on any slope exposed to wind or rain, that the finest materials are carried far away, and the undecomposable quartz remains predominant. The alluvium in the upper reaches of streams is thus far more sandy than the mixed material supplied at the outset from the surrounding rocks. The more rapid flow of the water on the steeper upland slopes naturally removes the mud into the lowland. When the detritus, still somewhat mixed, reaches a seashore, wave action is rapidly effective. Before the continual wash and pounding of the water, any residual clay and the finely comminuted portion of the quartz are carried down the coastal slope. The color of the sea after storms is sufficient evidence of the work that it performs. 
beaches, then, arrive at a great similarity of type. The inviting yellow sands, formed of comparatively coarse material, occur alike offshores formed of chalk, slate, granite, or boulder clay. From the beginning of sedimentation, sands have thus tended to accumulate, and to become cemented into sandstones. These rocks, in turn uplifted and exposed, have yielded other sandstones. Since coarse sand does not travel far from the region where it is washed out of the parent rock, a thick mass of sandstone extending over many square miles may waste away and yet become perpetuated in the district. Sandiness thus begets sandiness, and the physical conditions due to the presence of sandstone may prevail through long geological epochs. Of course, a submergence beneath the sea may change all this in a brief time, but wrinklings of the crust, raising the sandstones into severer atmospheric levels, may only accelerate their decay and render the surrounding lands more sandy. THE CEMENTING OF SANDS The cement of sandstones is very varied. On our modern coast, springs draining from a limestone land or even running through banks of broken shells will deposit calcite in the interstices of the beach until slabs and shells of conglomerate and sandstone arise in defiance of the waves. On coasts where calcium bicarbonate is abundant, it may be precipitated by any cause that diminishes its solvent. Mere evaporation and the escape of carbon dioxide from the water as it is scattered into spray lead to the deposition of a cement between the grains of sand. As Link shows, calcite is thus laid down in temperate waters, while aragonite forms fibrous crystals between the detrital fragments on the flanks of tropic isles. Aragonite may also arise from the action of ammonium carbonate or sodium carbonate on calcium sulfate or calcium chloride in seawater. Sands thus become cemented by one or other form of calcium carbonate. They include, moreover, calcareous algae, foraminifera, and fragments of coral and seashells. Fossil shells are usually represented in older sandstones by mere external and internal moulds. The texture of the rock allows of their being dissolved in percolating waters, while in clays belonging to the same geological series they may be exquisitely preserved. In shallows, and especially in lakes, where soluble salts of iron become readily oxidized, brown iron rust and the mineral limonite is continually forming at the surface and sinking to the bottom, where it firmly cements the sand. A group of bacteria extracts iron in this form from the water of freshwater lakes and swamps, and greatly aids in its accumulation. Though a red color may appear also in marine deposits, masses of red and purple conglomerates and sandstones may reasonably be assigned a freshwater or terrestrial origin. Such rocks are usually found to be devoid of marine fossils, and they often contain traces of land plants. Barites, barium sulfate, which sometimes occurs in veins simulating those of calcite, is an occasional cement of sandstone, evidently arising from subterranean waters. Bands of flint, chert, occur in certain sandstones, such as the height beds of the English Lower Greensand series. These are due to the cementing of certain layers by chalcedonic silica, and the source of this silica is seen in the hollow moulds of sponge spicules and the glauconitic casts of their canals that commonly remain. G. J. Hines shows that in the Cretaceous examples, as in so many other flints, the majority of the spicules are of the tetractinolid type. Under arid conditions, as in parts of Africa, loose superficial sands may become cemented by calcium carbonate, or even by silica, brought up in water rising by capillary action from below. The sand dunes of the coast of our own islands 
which cannot remain wet for long, become in places toughened by a deposit of calcite derived from the abundant shells of land snails. In the Cape of Good Hope, the dunes, as A.W. Rogers states, are converted by invasions of calcium carbonate into hard rock through a distance of many feet from the surface, and where repeatedly wetted and dried, as happens where the sea has encroached upon old dunes, the rock becomes intensely hard and weathers with a peculiarly jagged surface. The General Post Office and the South African Museum in Cape Town are mainly constructed of this recently consolidated rock. The modern sandstones cemented by silica are still more interesting. In the Cape of Good Hope, and notably in the Kalahari Desert, they form the intensely hard rock known as quartzite. The cementing material is true quartz, which sometimes deposits itself in bipyramidal crystals about the grains of sand. The atoms in such crystals are arranged in harmony with the grouping of those in the original detrital grain, as is proved in thin sections under the microscope by the optical continuity of the quartz of the grain and of its coating. As silica continues to be deposited, the coatings interlock, and the rock passes into true quartzite. It is now often difficult to detect the outline of the original grains. Such superficial quartzites may be ten feet thick at most, with uncemented sand below. Rogers suggests that the cementing process may have originated in shallow pools, but it has obvious analogies with that which forms iron pans and superficial masses of calcium carbonate in regions where capillary waters are subject to prolonged evaporation. H. G. Lyons has attributed the cementing of parts of the Nubian sandstone in the desert of Lower Egypt to the silica set free by the alteration of the felspars in the rock. This change, he suggests, was accelerated by the infiltration of sodium carbonate of local origin. Fossil trees in these strata have been replaced by silica. A further example is recorded by Armitage from Victoria, where friable ferruginous Cainozoic sands have been converted into quartzite. This type of rock, the hardest known, and associated in our minds with high antiquity and metamorphic action, proves then to be in process of construction at the surface at the present day. The observations of Rogers show that quartz, and not mere chalcedony, is deposited on the grains of sand. The crystalline sandstones of Permian and Triassic age in England may, then, have acquired their remarkable characters at the actual epoch of their accumulation. This is rendered the more probable by the recognized occurrence of arid conditions, at any rate seasonally, when the strata in question were being laid down. These English crystalline sandstones were described by H. C. Sorby, who showed that the quartz deposited on the detrital grains was in optical continuity with that of the grains themselves. J. A. Phillips regarded this quartz as crystallized out during the kaolinization of felspars. The phenomena of laterization, however, give us a further suggestion as to the origin of the secondary silica. It is now well known that tropical processes of weathering, with alternations of wet and dry seasons, allow alumina to be set free from combination with silica, lateritic crusts thus arising on a great variety of rocks. The felspars of a sandstone may, under such conditions, become laterized rather than kaolinized aluminum hydroxide being left, and the silica passing into solution and appearing again in certain layers as cementing quartz. The almost complete disappearance of silica from the more advanced laterites shows that it has been carried away elsewhere, and the cement of quartzite may thus be derived from the rocks at a considerable distance. 
Just, however, as the destruction of silicious sponge spicules implies the formation of flint, so laterization implies silicification as a complementary process. The fact that secondary quartz in quartzite often arises in the rock itself is shown by the frequency of quartz veins in quartzites, while they are almost absent from associated slates or schists. Hence it appears that a removal of silica goes on at some points, leading to an infilling of all the cracks and interstices at another. It is clear, then, that sandstones, according to the mode in which they have been affected by percolating waters, may vary from the crumbling, uncemented condition known as sand rock to that hardest and most resisting of rocks, quartzite. The permeability of sandstone is responsible for a wide variety of cemented types. End of Part 1 of Chapter 3